0: Welcome everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for today's Appraisal Buzzcast. We appreciate all the positive feedback we've been getting recently. If you aren't already subscribed, take a second to subscribe below. Today, we'll be speaking with David Bunton, president of the Appraisal Foundation and Joan Trice, CEO of Altera Group. We'll be talking with Dave about the outlook for the Appraisal Foundation on the appraisal industry in 2021.
1: Joan? Thank you, Jim. And good morning and welcome, Dave. How are you today?
0: Very well, thank
2: you. Thanks for having me.
1: So you're in uh, the frozen tundra of uh, Washington, D.C. suburbs, I presume.
2: Uh, It's snowing as we speak. And I understand you're in the Sarasota tundra as well.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, the Sarasota tundra. Exactly. It's a it's a tough gig, Dave. So, Dave, let's talk about growing the appraisal profession. Everybody's talking about how do we expand? How do we bring in more diversity? What's the foundation's plan and efforts on that topic?
2: Sure. A few different areas. Uh, One is with uh, veterans. Uh, We have a lot of returning veterans from overseas. We have heard anecdotally from like instance, uh, Wells Fargo, they have had a couple training sessions in which they had veterans in those training sessions. And not only did they do well, they almost started to mentor the non-veterans in these training sessions for appraisers. So we've formed a veterans outreach task force. We are uh, working with the, the Department of Veterans Affairs and try to raise their uh, their knowledge level of this is an, an opportunity for you. You can work from home. You can work independently. A lot of military people have the self discipline to work independently like that. Uh, We're trying, we're right now in the preliminary stages of working with the Department of Veterans Affairs for some pilot programs where we would identify some veterans who are, are leaving the service and try to match them up with appraisers who have been appraising for a long time for the Department of Veterans Affairs. The other thing we've done is we've identified people who are coaches, if you will, career coaches or mentors. These are appraisers who were veterans and they're on our website and people can call them up and that's worked quite well. Uh, another area we're working on is that if you look at the appraisal population, when you speak to a group of appraisers, it does not look like America. It's, it's very homogeneous. Uh, so we several months ago now formed a diversity and inclusion uh, at that time subcommittee uh, to go out, two things really, to look inward how can we make the foundation more diverse? It's board members, things like that. And then externally, how do we get more minorities to consider appraisal as a, as a career option? We've reached out to the historically black colleges and universities. So it's, it's, it's sort of a twofold. And once again, we're going to go out and identify mentors. So people uh, of color who are thinking about becoming an appraiser can talk to someone who already is and, and kind of relate to them.
1: That, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think that coaching idea is really important because even before I want to commit to taking classes, I just want to talk to somebody and find out what the, you know, if my expectations match mm-hmm. reality, what, you know, what can I learn? What are my possible employers? You know, is it, is it other appraisers? Is it banks? Is it assessment departments? I mean, there are I think there's a lot that people don't know about what we do.
2: And, and what's happening now is, so these aren't supervising appraisers. These are just advisors, if you will. Right, right. Um, and What's happening is after the initial uh, contact, they usually ask, do you mind if I call you up in the future when I'm faced with another decision, another fork in the road? So right. it, it's more like, you know, you're, you're my, my helper there for an extended period of time.
1: No, I, I I like that a lot. Tell us uh, what's going on with the GAO study on the appraisal regulatory system. It's actually one of my favorite topics. So Well,
2: you know, it started off about 18 months ago. We had a joint advisory council meeting. We had a panel with Peter Barrish, who some of you may know. He was a staff director for Congress and Barnard during uh, Title XI in 1989, and Carl Schultz, who was the president of the Appraisal Institute. And they were sharing, for lack of a better term, war stories of what happened in 1989. And both of them underscored that what they envisioned back then versus what we're looking at today is very, very different. So in December, 13 months ago, we wrote a letter to Congresswoman Maxine Waters and said, we encourage you to ask the GAO to do a study and focus on what Congress intended in 89 and what the world looks like today. On a subcommittee annual report, I think two years ago, Estimated that 90% of all mortgage residential mortgage originations are not federal related transactions. 90%, which is pretty much almost the inverse of what everyone thought when this uh, first occurred. That was, we made that request in December. In February, Maxine Waters did contact the Government Accountability Office and asked for this study focusing on. the threshold levels, the increases in threshold levels, the regulatory carve-outs, the uh, evaluation in lieu of appraisals, and also appraisal waivers. Then COVID came in in March, and that kind of ended everything. I just learned last week from the congressman's office that the GAO is going forward with the study, and they are what's called a, a preliminary phase where they're essentially identifying all the people that they should speak with in this. So I think it's a, it's a 2021 event. I'm just not sure exactly, you know, if it's a first quarter, second quarter start. I think a lot of it will be done virtually. But I was involved in the GAO study in 2004 on the appraisal regulatory system and the one in 2012. And they're very thorough. And, you know, historically, recommendations from the GAO become the basis for legislative action. And certainly on the House of Representatives. It's a favorable environment for appraisers right now. The, the chair of the Financial Services Committee, Maxine Waters, has publicly stated the importance of having an interior inspection appraisal. It's the biggest purchase of your life. So um, from a consumer protection point of view, I think that, that Congress is is very interested in this topic.
1: Good, uh, because there's some, I think, some dangerous things afoot that diminish and weaken the value that the appraisal profession brings uh, to the housing finance system.
2: They put that whole system in place to protect the deposit insurance fund. It wasn't consumer protection. But over the last few decades, they've just whittled away and whittled away and whittled away and whittled away, you know, and then built a parallel system where you don't even need to be an appraiser. Exactly. And you're not even producing an appraisal. Yeah, we're
1: we're dying a death by a thousand cuts. And um, now that's a good thing that eyes are on the appraisal profession. Mm -hmm. Well, let's take a break. And then, Dave, when we come back, what I want to talk about is because I don't think most appraisers know it's such an esoteric topic. We're going to talk about federally related transactions and drill down so that they understand actually what's going on there. So let me let me cut to Jim and we'll, we'll pick up where we left off.
0: Okay, thanks Joan. As a provider of innovative appraisal solutions for more than 40 years, ACI is a trusted industry leader. Join the thousands of appraisers and many of the largest appraisal companies that use ACI software in the US and Canada to optimize their business. The ACI one individual plan is available today for $649 and includes forms and rules, sketch software, unlimited location and flood maps, public record data, ACI open house and more. For more information, visit ACIweb.com. Joan, back to you.
1: Thank you, Jim. So Dave, uh, share with our audience, uh, made up of mostly appraisers, what is a FRT, a federally related transaction and why is this so critical that we get this right?
2: A lot of confusion in this area. In fact, the state regulators, Arrow, the Association of Impairs Regulatory Officials, wrote a letter to the subcommittee a couple of years ago and said, please explain to us what is a federal-related transaction. What it was intended at the beginning was this was a, a loan that was going to be held in portfolio, and therefore it impacted the deposit insurance fund. But because there have been 13 regulatory carve outs by the financial banking agencies, uh, now it's it's a very small percentage. One of the carve outs, for example, is if I'm a lender and I, I make a loan that qualifies for Fannie and Freddie, I don't sell it to them. I keep it in portfolio. That's not considered a federal related transaction anymore because I could have sold it, even though it's in my bank and it, it could impact the deposit insurance fund. So all of these carve outs have, have got it to the point where it's, it's a very, very small percentage uh, of loans that are held. It's also interesting, uh, by the way, Joan. That and you, I'm sure you know this, but most mortgage lending now is outside the federal financial regulatory system. It's, it's the quickens, it's all of that, it's, it's 55% of, of all mortgage mortgage transactions now.
1: Well, it's because of that exemption that says, oh, by the way, let's not include a Fannie, Freddie, VA or FHA loan. They're not federally related or they're exempt from right. these uh, rules. And that's just absurd. So as you said, you put a law into place and then you say, oh, by the way, we didn't really mean that we're going to exempt 99% of the transactions.
2: A couple of the banking agencies testified in opposition to Title 11 back in 1988 and 1989. They didn't want to do it. They said, we can handle this. And they've just been very successful in kind of getting what they wanted.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, really unfortunate. And uh, that topic's going to be revisited again, I'm sure. So tell us what's going on with USPAP updates and USPAP land.
2: USPAP land sure a couple things one with the document itself with USPAP itself they're giving guidance or issuing guidance shortly in two areas one is on producing uh, appraisal reports that have the inspections have been done by someone else bifurcated appraisals hybrid appraisals just how do you handle that also drones there's technology now that can map out the entire interior of a house so when you say I, I inspected that property, was it you or who was it? So they're going to give guidance in that area. The second area they're focusing on is the whole bias discrimination issue. Uh, they issued an advisory opinion years ago on fair housing. That's being completely updated. So bias and discrimination, as we all know, it's in it's in the media, it's of interest to elected officials, and they're giving more guidance to appraisers about implicit bias and, and things like that. The other thing in USPAP land is, as you referred to it is, appraisers have to take the seven hour course once every two years. And from what we learned from appraisers, it's not something they look forward to. Uh, when they're listening to this is the new definition and they didn't know what the old definition was, it's not, not doing much for them. So uh, Lisa DeMaris, who's our vice president of appraisal issues, has taken this on as a as a personal project of hers, making the class much more interactive, making it much more relevant to talk about issues like property inspection, bias, and discrimination, so that when you leave the class, you've you've picked up four or five tips that you can use in your practice like the next day. Just much more relevant, less focus on the tweaks and tucks to use PEP, more focus on on your on your practice and how. It, it's impacted by use
1: I understand that's uh, that's a good thing. I, I, I was a long term appraiser, and don't take this personally, Dave, but taking use over and over again was was a, was a killer. So I'm it, I'm glad to hear it's going to be a little more dynamic on a
2: go forward. Uh, administrative recent administrative rulings, things like okay. that, just more topical. Right. You know? that,
1: sounds, that sounds like a good plan. So tell us about your real estate degree program.
2: The genesis of that was back in Texas several years ago. Uh, an individual graduated from Texas A&M with a master's degree in real estate. He then brought the transcript to the Texas Appraiser Board to get credit for it. And they said, these courses don't match up with the ATB criteria and we don't have the staff to figure out which is which. So we actually met with several uh, universities about this. And we formed this college degree review program where members of the AQB go to that school, look at all of the uh, the syllabus of all the courses and decide, of for instance, certified general. Of those 300 hours, how many hours could be met if you have a degree from that school? It's never 300 hours, which is the certified general amount because no school teaches use PAP. So the most you can get is 285. But a lot of schools now are taking uh, part of this. It's almost like it had a tipping point. We were getting one or two universities a year until we got to about 12 to 15 schools. And now we've added 10 in the past probably 15 months. But many schools now, they're getting 285 hours of, of credit. And we issue a letter saying that fact. So now when someone graduates from that school, they take the letter to the state appraiser board. And other than taking a USPEP course and sitting for the state exam, they've met all the, the education requirements. It's had a bit of a tipping point. It was slow to start the first several years, but in the last 18 months, we've probably added a dozen schools or more. The most recent school was uh, Penn State University. So it's And it's graduate programs, it's undergraduate programs, it's, it's both.
1: Okay, outstanding. Well, let's break one more time for a commercial message, and then when we come back, Let's talk about what's going to happen legislatively inside the Beltway.
0: All right. Thanks, Joan. Appraisers, if you've grown frustrated with endlessly pursuing new appraisal work and not reaping any of the benefits, Metro West is here to help. They understand and work to alleviate the pain points commonly felt by appraisers to enable personal and financial growth for their staff. After all, they've been owned and operated by appraisers since the company opened in 1987. Metro West Appraisal is an equal opportunity employer, and they're always looking for certified residential real estate appraisers to join their team. Visit MetroWestAPPR.com careers or email careers at MetroWestAPPR.com. Joan, back to you.
1: Thank you, Jim. So Dave, uh, we have a new, new administration, and I'm sure we're going to see some new legislation. What do you see on the horizon for that impacts the real estate profession? real estate
2: appraiser profession? One, obviously, would be bias and discrimination. That was part of President Biden's platform when he ran for election. Uh, We've had several inquiries from both the House and Senate, people who are thinking about crafting legislation in that area. Nothing has been introduced yet. They're still sort of forming their committees. It's early on on Capitol Hill, but something regarding bias and discrimination, I think you're going to see happen this year. Just a, a brief civics lesson here. Two things. One. In order for a, a bill to become a law, you know, it has to pass the House, it has to pass the Senate, it has to be signed by the president. If it doesn't go that far, if it just passes the House, then when the Congress reconvenes, we're in the 117th Congress, everything has to be reintroduced. It's as if it never happened. So we had some bills that passed the House last year, allowing licensed appraisers to do, perform FHA appraisals, passed without opposition, has to be reintroduced because the Senate didn't act on it. Uh, there was another bill that added the Department of Veterans Affairs and the Rural Housing Service to the appraisal subcommittee, bringing that up to nine organizations that passed the House. It didn't pass in the Senate. So those two uh, will be reintroduced, as my understanding, because there was no opposition. Another one is the appraisal portal bill that was introduced late. It wasn't acted on by the house. But what that is, it's modeled after the national mortgage licensing system in which you have one central repository. So if you're an appraiser that operates in multiple states, everything is right there for everyone to see. I mean, in theory, it would work quite well. Our concern is, and we support it, our concern is that the national mortgage licensing system when it started, no state had anything. So they gave the specifications to every state. Here's how you build your database so it matches ours. The problem we have with appraisal is that they're already in place. Every All 55 jurisdictions already have a, a data system. And will that be compatible with something that's created with this portal, which would be administered by the uh, the appraisal subcommittee? So we'll, we'll see. In theory, it's a great idea. There's so much duplication. 55 silos all doing the same thing. Oh,
1: so in theory then is that a national license as opposed to a state license well,
2: no it's all it is is it's a repository of data so what would be in there would be all of your ce that you've done maybe okay. any disciplinary actions things like that so and a uniform application but the credentials still would be issued by each one of the 55 jurisdictions
1: yeah that sounds uh, amazingly similar to clearbox uh uh, and and what our plan was uh, for all exactly the same reasons. It's uh, the the 50 plus jurisdictions uh, all doing things differently with different renewal periods. and uh, it's a complicated mess uh, if you're like if you're an appraiser licensed in multiple states, which which I was. Well Dave, thank you very much for joining us today and uh, hopefully we'll get to see you live and in person. Uh, Later this year at Valuation Expo, we're we're optimists and we're planning on a a September event. I I
2: appreciate the invitation. And while Zoom meetings are effective, they do not substitute for the personal. Both the meetings themselves and the networking that goes on, the receptions and everything where business is often conducted. So look
1: forward to seeing you there then. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much.
2: All right. Take care.
0: Well, thank you, Dave. Thank you, Joan. That was really insightful today. Uh, appraisers, if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed and comment below on what you thought about today's episode. Have a great day. ProxyPix is the first of its kind on-demand system for getting the location-specific media you need from wherever you are. Their simple-to-use platform creates an online marketplace matching people needing property photos with proxies or data collectors near the requested location. Through crowdsourcing, you can get current up-to-date photos of anything on the map within hours, if not minutes. Never before has there been a quicker, simpler, or more economic way to get property photos you need. Sign up on ProxyPix.com or download our app, available on the Apple and Google Play Store.